Welcome to the Heart Attack Thriver Podcast. My name is Brian Simpson, and I'll be your host. On this week's episode, I'm going to talk about something that happened to me after my heart attack, and it relates to my intuition, my heart, my gut, whatever it is you want to call it, that internal knowing. I even go as far as to say that I believe it's the way that God or the universe communicates through us and to us. Before my heart attack, I would say that I wasn't someone that really trusted my gut or my intuition. But that's changed dramatically since my heart attack. It's part of that awakening, that spirituality piece that I've talked about a little bit in some other episodes. And it's really something I want to talk about today because I think it's important. I think it's important to to trust that internal knowing that there is a gift there if you choose to uh, to listen to it. Um, I really would say that I didn't trust it because I guess I never really had any reason to. And it's one of those things that I now look at as as a gift. It really is a gift because I, I trust it with my life. And I'm going to talk in the future about, you know, the solo motorcycle trip that I took from Canada to Costa Rica and back after my heart attack. And it's uh, it's something that really, I believe, is why I had such an amazing trip and never had anything really, you know, bad or negative happen to me. And uh, it's one of those things that I refer to as, it's like the blinders came off. It's like I was uh, living a life with tunnel vision and I wasn't uh, really, you know, paying attention to, you know, my purpose, to, to why I'm here, what I'm meant to do, you know, in this lifetime. And I believe with the, the fourth chance, as I call it, um, at life, I'm choosing to be different. I'm choosing to show up differently. And the example I want to use today is uh, what led to my uh, spiritual journey to India and Nepal. And I'm bringing this up because, ironically, I just got a call about a week or so ago from the Buddhist monk that I uh, met in the Amsterdam airport. And it was uh, about nine months after uh, my heart attack um, when I met him. And uh, and he reached out to me. I was uh, looking down at my phone uh, to a phone call coming in and I didn't recognize it wasn't coming in through the iPhone. It was coming in through one of the... Uh, one of the apps, and I saw that it was Bonte Sivali. And I met Bonte Sivali. I'd been over in Europe uh, watching my son compete uh, in a bike race at a World Cup, and I was uh, about to return to Toronto and was uh, at the Amsterdam airport about three hours before my flight. And I was walking along in the airport, just kind of in my own little space. I'd had a wonderful experience, got to see my son win a gold medal. I was, I was on a high for sure and feeling good about things. And this is a really good metaphor for my life because uh, they have these people movers, these conveyor belts that you see in airports now that help people move along quicker. And uh, I got on that and I walked on it. 
I was, you know, speed walking on it actually. And, uh, I passed by this Buddhist monk and kind of blew by him. And then something in me, I got this hit and I stopped and I literally turned around and started walking back towards him against the conveyor belt. And when I came to him, I, um, I asked him if he was a Buddhist monk. And some would think, well, that would be obvious. But again, my uh, knowledge of Buddhism, you know, was really through the Dalai Lama. And the Dalai Lama, they wear the the uh, sort of the burgundy robes. I've since learned that that is the robe of uh, a Tibetan monk. And this particular monk looked, you know, more like a Hare Krishna because he had more of an orange colored robe. And he said to me, looked at me and said, yes, I am. And I... Uh, proceeded to share a little bit about my meditation journey and that I had been learning to meditate and how much it was helping me. And, uh, you know, I got a, I got a selfie with them, you know, it's kind of crazy when I think about it now. And, uh, you know, when we got to the end of the conveyor belt, we talked for a little bit longer and, uh, I said goodbye. I said, it was really nice to meet you. And I went and, you know, got some food and, you know, essentially waited for my, uh, my flight. So I'm on the plane now. We boarded and we're getting ready to pull away from the gate. And maybe we were, I don't know, 15 minutes away from, from, uh, from pulling out. And who comes walking down the aisle, but this same Buddhist monk and he sits behind me. And I, I just remember thinking, wow, like that is crazy. And so that encounter and then subsequently having a conversation with him on the plane uh, led to him inviting me to come to India to work with him. And again, I, I, I'm a talker, I'm a storyteller. I could have talked his ear off, but I, I gave him some space and I can remember, and I just want to share this because it's kind of a, I think it's a cute story. And, you know, again, just speaks to my uh, limited knowledge at the time. But they had just uh, served the uh, the you know the beverages um, when we had uh, taken off, and I went to go up and talk to him, and uh, I look at him, and he's got this this glass of orange juice or this cup of orange juice cupped in his hands, and his eyes are closed, and he literally was just taking the cup and just touching it to his lips, not really drinking it, and then lowering it down again, and. I'm a people watcher and I, I, I literally create stories when I see stuff happening in real time. And, and I'm literally thinking to myself like, Oh my God, like it's like he's never had orange juice before. And it's the sweetest thing to ever touch his lips. Or I, I thought, well, or maybe he's just, you know, he hasn't had a drink in a long time and, and he's just so thirsty and he's just savoring every moment. And, and I, I actually caught myself kind of going, this is kind of weird that I'm watching, <laughs> watching him. Uh, and I, I, you know, then went to the, uh, uh, to the washroom uh, and then came back to my seat and I just let him be. And then once the dinner service uh, had happened, uh, I then took the moment, a moment to go to him and you know, it was a very small um, airplane full of seats and the aisles were quite narrow. So I um, was kneeling uh, beside him uh, on the uh, on the floor, you know, with my hands kind of in a prayer position. 
And I started to share with him my journey and my heart attack and, and I got emotional and he, you know, stopped me and put his hand on my shoulder and said, Brian, I can help you heal from the inside out with meditation and mindfulness and you should come to India to work with me. And uh, I was like, wow, I would love to do that. But, you know, there was just no way with my current situation, with my job and uh, just with everything that was kind of going on in my life and was about to happen, uh, you know, it just didn't seem possible. And, but he still, uh, you know, said uh, he had a card and he gave me his card. He said, he said, uh, where do you live? And I told him and he said, I'd love to come to your community and do a workshop on meditation and mindfulness. And uh, so let's connect on that. So, and we did, and we did. So this was in November. So um, I ended up reaching out to him. I didn't reach out to him right away. And then we ended up arranging to meet uh, just before Christmas. And the day that we decided to meet, he was going to be going to Ottawa. He had a brother in Ottawa and he was going to visit his brother. And he was uh, staying at a monastery in Mississauga, which is just outside of Toronto. And uh, we had discussed that we would meet in somewhere in the middle. And we decided on a place called Madoc. Madoc's a tiny little town, uh, not much there. And uh, the day came uh, when we were going to meet and we'd kind of discussed, you know, that we would connect. And that morning when I woke up, there was a crazy snowstorm. And I tried to reach out to him, but I didn't have a cell phone for him. I only had a email address. So I emailed him and, you know, to try to find out, you know, are you still coming? Are you going to, because of the snowstorm, be able to travel? And uh, I wasn't sure. And so we had decided we were going to meet. I believe it was going to be uh, around, I want to say, six or seven o'clock at night in Maydock. And he said, find a place where we can have some privacy and we can talk. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at home and I'm thinking about, okay, like, is he going to be able to come? Like, do I? And again, this is, this is that intuitive hit. I thought, you know what, just go. Just go. I hadn't found a place. I'd done some research on, you know, possible a restaurant or something. And so I hopped in my car and I drove to Maydock, not knowing if he was going to show up. And so I planned to get there early just in case. And I was prepared to wait. So I I get to Maydock and like I said, it's, it's in the dead of winter. It's a small town. It's like they... As I say, they rolled up the sidewalks uh, and, uh, you know, in the wintertime because it's really a community that kind of is hustling and bustling in the summertime uh, because it's in such a beautiful area with lots of lakes around and, and it's just a beautiful part of the world. And uh, I can't find any, any place ideal to meet other than a Tim Hortons. And uh, if you don't know what Tim Hortons is, Tim Hortons is kind of the Canadian version of Starbucks. It's a coffee chain that it's on almost every street corner. And of course there was a Tim Hortons in Maydock. So that was the only place that I could find. Literally downtown was dark, nothing was open. So, uh, and all the restaurants were closed other than Tim Hortons. So I, I go to Tim Hortons and I, I'm sitting in the parking lot and I'm okay. So thinking to myself, so how long are you gonna wait? You know, cause again, I had no communication, had not heard from him. I had not told them we're going to meet at Tim Hortons. Um, so, uh, 
I'm sitting there and I, I'd probably been, after driving around, I'd been sitting at Tim Hortons for maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. And I'm like having that conversation with myself, like, okay, so maybe, maybe he's not able to make it because of the weather. And uh, I literally, a car pulls in and I look to my right and I can barely see I can see that there's two people in this car and I can barely see them. They're, Bonte Sivoli is uh, not a man who's very tall. Um, and he was being driven by a friend who is also a Buddhist monk. And all of a sudden I see him kind of pop up in his seat in the passenger seat and wave at me. And I just, I just smile and I start to laugh. I'm thinking like, this is crazy. Like here we are. Um, we found each other in the middle of nowhere, essentially. And so we go into uh, Tim Hortons. I invite his uh, his colleague, his friend to come in. And he said, no, he's going to stay in the car. So he and I went in and I, I you know, ordered myself a coffee and, and he wanted a tea. And, uh, and we just sat and talked about, you know, the possibility of him coming to Lindsay to do this meditation and mindfulness uh, day. And so we decided on April the 9th, we, we picked a date and I said, leave it with me. I will get the venues. He was going to be flying back to India and uh, returning um, at the end of March. And so I arranged to, you know, meet with him and continue to communicate. So long and short of it, uh, that intuitive hit at the airport, the subsequent meeting on the plane, and then that intuitive hit to just go, just trust that this is all going to work out, um, are just a really great example of, uh, of, of intuition and, and trusting our, our heart, as I like to call it, or your gut or whatever it is you want to label it. And, uh, it's really, like I said, it's just a really incredible thing. And, and, um, I had been invited to him, as I said, to go to India to work with him, but I couldn't. And the way everything kind of happened, I had, um, I'd left my marriage, um, you know, just, just before Christmas that year. So around the same time, um, I had left a 25 year marriage and I was called into a meeting in, uh, in January and I was told that, um, I was no longer going to be part of the plan for Atsuka, which was the company I was working in. I was a, a rep promoting um, a product for depression and uh, I was given my, my walking papers and I was given a package, a very generous package. And I can remember uh, literally kind of beaming inside because the job that I was going to be doing with Atsuka had been, was going to change. And again, I had this feeling as I was doing some of the studying and the pre-work to get ready for this transition, I just had this feeling that I can't, I can't get behind this drug. I, I, I don't think I want this job, but obviously having just, you know, left a marriage, that wasn't something that, you know, I was going to be able to do because I needed the job. I needed to figure out, okay, what's next for me. And here I was presented with a package and told that this is your last day. And I can remember talking to Chantel, who was the hiring manager that, that had hired me and who also had to tell me that, um, you know, it was going to be my last day. Uh, I remember her saying to me, Brian, you know, sometimes when things like this happen, you know, one door closes, another one opens and you need to walk through it. And I remember saying to Chantel, 
Chantel, I'm going to run through it. I can go to India now. And so that chance meeting led to me now being able to, a series of circumstances, go to India. So I immediately reached out to, to Bhatti Sivali, emailed him and said, I can come to India now. And he, uh, he said, great. And we talked about dates. He sent me an itinerary and he'd made this plan for me to travel, you know, and, and trace the path of the Buddha while I was there. And he arranged for me to be escorted uh, by a young um, Buddhist monk from Nepal, uh, Lama Ji, through India and Nepal. And so I booked a flight. I, I flew over to New Delhi. I had to take a long train trip overnight uh, to meet Bhante Sivali. Uh, in Varanasi, uh, which is, as the writings say, the Buddha is where the Buddha gave his first sermon. I was put up as a guest in their monastery. I got to meet Lamaji, and then he and I set off on this incredible trip, traveling through India and Nepal. Uh, what was beautiful is Lamaji was learning English. His English still wasn't very good, but he spoke fluent Nepalese. Of course, he's from there. Uh, he spoke uh, Hindu or Hindi, and so he could communicate for me. And it was interesting. I um, I used to wear, I wore this this hat. It's a pork pie hat, a very distinctive hat. It was the hat actually I wore um, when I met uh, Bhante Sivali. And uh, I called it my happy hat because it just, when I wore it, it just made me feel happy. And, um, and so... People would always approach me and he was very protective of me and, you know, of course, because he could communicate and I couldn't necessarily communicate um, if they didn't speak English. Uh, you know, he was very, very good at, at protecting me and also making sure that I wasn't overpaying for things because obviously they assume, well, I must have money. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white person. Uh, you know, I'm traveling to a you know, foreign country and all of that. So. But that trip, that trip was life-changing and transformative. And, you know, I could talk, you know, uh, a lot about it. And I, I will do so um, on another episode uh, in the future. But a couple of things I just want to just highlight uh, around this trip that, you know, for me was really, uh, really transformative. And I, I've said this uh, to people, and I will say it here now, is that, you know, if you don't go to a place like India or even into Nepal, which was devastated by a, a, an earthquake many years before I, I went there, uh, and you're not humbled, you're not grateful. Um, like, I didn't realize why they eat with one hand. It's because they don't have toilet paper, and and that's that's how they deal with going to the bathroom or to the, to the washroom. Um, and so, uh, you know, just, just so many things, um, they had in Nepal, he took me to his village, uh, which is called Sherpa and they still had no running water, no electricity. Um, they had firewood to keep warm and to cook, but they didn't have a lot of it. So the wood was used mostly for, uh, for cooking and, Without electricity, you know, we were in bed as soon as it got dark, which was, you know, before 7 p.m. at night. And I can remember sleeping on this wooden bed, no mattress, no nothing, with a blanket that was made of, I would say, layers of canvas. It was heavy, it's musty smelling, and it sure wasn't very warm. 
And this is their life. This is how they live every day. And I just remember thinking like, wow, man, we have it so good here in the modern world. You know, really, you know, the things that we often get caught up in are really first world problems. And I just, uh, yeah, I just really, uh, really came back humbled and grateful and thankful, you know, for how good we have it. And, you know, this meeting, I ended up, uh, as I said, uh, bringing Bontisivali to Lindsay to, uh, to teach people how to meditate and be mindful. And I had over a hundred people uh, show up for this. Uh, I paid for this out of my own pocket. I rented a venue and it was really uh, an incredible, incredible day. Um, you know, I, I, I drove to Toronto to pick him up at the airport and took him to his monastery, you know, brought him up, put him in a hotel. And uh, it's really cool that, you know, he reached out to me recently and, uh, you know, he was asking me, are you still meditating? And, and I, I said, I am. In fact, my meditation practice is, um, has grown significantly. Uh, you know, it's still a practice. Um, some days, you know, I, I, I really, you know, have, have to make it a ritual to get up in the morning and, and meditate first thing in the morning. Cause if I don't, it's typically not going to happen. And so I really work hard. I just actually just finished, uh, doing my morning meditation and, and, this morning's meditation uh, was a guided meditation around intuition uh, and trusting ourselves and trusting our gut. And uh, it was really great. I, I told him that I've now, uh, I've been practicing, uh, you know, uh, Vipassana meditation, which is a silent meditation. Uh, I've done a lot of guided meditations. I teach people how to meditate. I have, um, use guided meditations myself. They were my breakthroughs. I remember uh, a meditation that was sent to me uh, from Tara Brock that was my breakthrough. It was a 13-minute meditation and I can just remember how excited I was that I just meditated for 13 minutes and I've been now able to meditate for up to one hour just sitting in silence. Uh, it's challenging but it's a very powerful practice and I've mentioned also that I've you know done some work with Dr. Joe Dispenza and did a big workshop in Toronto uh, a number of years ago now after my heart attack. And we had a couple of meditations that we did for four hours. So I've actually been able to meditate for four hours, which is really incredible considering that I was somebody that once upon a time believed that I was incapable of meditating, that something was wrong with me, that I was broken. And it wasn't until I had these people come into my life that taught me that, no, I'm not broken. Uh, you just didn't know how to do it. And I didn't know actually what meditation was. And so, again, just really, really incredible that I just got a phone call from, from Bhante Sivali out of the blue. And, uh, and we're going to keep in touch. We're going to continue to talk. And, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, invited me uh, to come back again. So um, I don't know if that'll be uh, in my uh, near uh, future. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely uh, interested. And uh, I'd asked him about Lama G, and uh, he said he's still around. Um, I believe he's now back in Nepal. He's finished his uh, school. He's been indoctrinated as a, as a Buddhist monk. And, uh, you know, I have had him reach out to me a few times as well uh, through Facebook. He's found me. So um, very interesting story. So that's, uh, that's what I wanted to talk about today. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and, uh, and listening and taking the time. Um, if you haven't yet hit subscribe, please, please hit subscribe. And 
please share this. If you know somebody you think this might resonate with, uh, please, uh, please share it along. And uh, as always, uh, thanks for following along. Um, thanks for being with me on this journey. And uh, I will see you. I'll be back next week with another episode. So bye for now.